The Braves have done it again. They've extended another stud. They found another stud and extended him. What should the Marlins learn from the Braves? What can they learn from the Braves? Or do they need to ask that question? Is the Braves core too strong for us right now? And should we look to rebuild? We're going to dig into that plus preview this week's awards. Awards series, I would say. Three episodes coming at you later in the week. All digging out and handing out awards uh, for the 2022 Miami Marlins. All on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you get them. This pod is available free and, and everywhere. And there's five episodes watching on YouTube. Hello. And please hit subscribe there. Why not? Again, there's five episodes a week. And you will see if you're watching on YouTube. I have no guest. Solo pod on a Monday. Welcome to Monday's pod. And uh, thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. What a weekend. What a weekend of action. A lot of action. I want to dig into the news today that the, the Braves have extended another player, another extension for a stud. And what the Marlins could or should or shouldn't be thinking. Looking to replicate that as well. We have the postseason that's rolling along. The Marlins obviously not involved. However, the NL East heavily involves. The Mets are gone. The Phillies progressed. We have an all-NL East matchup with the Braves and Phils coming up uh, later in this week. Five-game series there, so that should be a lot of fun. The Braves would be, you know, you would assume strong favorites for that one, uh, particularly because Nola and Wheeler uh, have, have already pitched recently, so they won't be going in game one. So, Good chance the Braves can jump out to an early lead there, perhaps, leaving the Phils a bit of an uphill task. But the postseason, anything can happen as well. The Braves, the, the Braves, the Mets, the Mets, a bounce. What should we say about the Mets? First off, have to say this. What's going on with the attendance? City Field yesterday, basically no one showed up. What's going on? It is a winner takes all. A sudden death game, a wild card game against the Padres, the San Diego Padres. There's no cupcakes there, and it proved it. And no one turned up, and it's okay. It was a Sunday, so maybe you know, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's a school night, and everyone's worried about work the next day. Can't be because the Giants were playing, because well, the Giants were in London. Um, okay, maybe maybe the Jets. I don't know, but. Where is everyone? All of this, and rightly so, I, I, I get it that the Marlins get blasted for attendances. Um, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to put on the record. Listen, in the postseason, and it was a, a sudden death game at home against anyone, doesn't matter who the opponent is. Lone Depot would be packed. It'd be rocking. I assume so anyway. That is embarrassing for the Mets. Truly embarrassing. And actually, overall for the Mets, and I like the Mets in some ways. I like the content creators of the Mets. Maybe that's what I should say. It's been a fun one to, to, to kind of follow along this year. Back in 21, there was just, just a lack of cohesion there, I think, with the Mets. You know, there was the 
the raccoon incident where they're fighting in the tunnel and, you know, blaming raccoons and, I don't know, all sorts of shenanigans going on. In 2022, they added in some some real nice, you know, clubhouse guys. Starling Marte, a big part of that as well. Mark Canna, big part of that. You know, and I think, and Max Scherzer too. And I think, you know, the clubhouse fixed itself. And we saw the, the results. I mean, the Mets won 101 games. 101 games in the regular season. However, the Mets fell foul of a common issue for many of us, myself included. You peaked too soon. They peaked too early. They peaked before September. September came. They faded. They they effectively, you know, were, were having their first wildcard game against the Braves. They had a three-game series, and they got swept. They got swept in that series, and really, they've never recovered since. They were playing terrible baseball before that. And in the end, Max Scherzer got blown up. Bassett got blown up. All sorts of stuff going on with... Musgrove's ear and everything going on. But at the end of the day, the offense didn't show up. One hit there for the Mets. No fans in the ballpark. Embarrassing way to finish the year. Big offseason for the Mets too. Big offseason because there's a decent amount of free agents there. Brandon Nimmo being one of them. Jacob DeGrom, the headliner too. Uh, he's expected to opt, opt out of his deal. Where does DeGrom land? For me, I'm shocked with the, with the Mets, the amount of money they have. The... They haven't already got around to sorting this out with DeGrom. He's back. He's pitching like his old self. I don't understand. Money is no object there in, in New York for the Mets. Why are they bothering going down this path? I don't know. But big offseason. Diaz and his trumpets. Also a free agent. He's going to sign a monster deal there. I know there's you know, talk of the Marlins trying to get a closer in. I, I don't think Diaz is going to be in, the, in scope here for the fish. But nevertheless, the Mets... After a stunning regular season, they did peak too soon. They've got a ton of free agents. Clubhouse is going to look different next year. The Mets will spend their way out of this. One other team that is spending, not their way out of it, but they're spending their way into it, is the Atlanta Braves. They they are just doing everything right as, a, as an organization right now. And you've got to look at, you know, Spencer Strider arrives this year. What a stunning year for, for Strider. I mean... 200 strikeouts in what, like 130 innings or something? 120 innings? Absolutely wild. The news drops today. The Braves have extended him as well. They've also extended uh, Michael Harris, the second, uh, earlier on. These guys, they're still rookies. They've only played, what, you know, Harris has played, I don't know, 90 games maybe for the Braves. You know, it ends up with a, a 75 million extension there. And you know, the same for Strider, 75 million with an option at the back end of that too, with a buyout, you know, could be 90, 90, 95 millions worth. Big extension there. The funny thing is, you know, just then applying it to the Marlins is, uh, you know, think of Strider, rookie of the year candidate, Trevor Rogers in exactly the same boat. I wonder how we'd feel right now if we would have extended Trevor Rogers after last or during and, then he comes out and has the year he does. So there's there's a, a high degree of risk into these contracts too. But the Braves, this is their model. They find these studs. They look to extend them um, as early as they can in that cycle. Get them locked in. Get them locked up. And, uh, you know, then they've got that, that control. They're guaranteed and cost-controlled throughout. You know, it's it's a model that seems to work for them. And it's a model that the Marlins, really in the main, don't look to replicate 
However, the one, the recent one with Sandy Alcantara is, you know, at the moment has paid off big style. So with all of the, the guys around right now, the question's got to be, you know, what should the Marlins take from this? And for me, the one obvious one, I spoke about it a good few weeks ago, is what do they do with Jazz Chisholm Jr.? Do the Marlins look to try and extend Jazz Chisholm Jr.? And if they were to do that, what would that look like? And for me, I actually think this Michael Harris deal um, that, that is signed a few, you know, a few weeks back is almost the perfect the perfect way to approach it um, because you're know, really with, with jazz, all that's going to happen is he's going to continue to get right now. He's cheap, right? But he hasn't hit arbitration, but when he does, if he continues to be a, you know, a, an all-star at second base, it's just going to get more and more expensive. And so the way this, this Harris deal, it was an eight year, 72 million contract. Yes. He's being paid a little bit more earlier on, but it's kind of a bit of a flatter profile. 5 million a year, 8 million a year, 9 million a year, 12 mil, 15 mil. Like, it isn't one of those low, 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 trending upwards kind of contracts. It's it, They kind of flattened it out. Which, you know, for the team like the Braves that have the serious amount of income, it makes a ton of sense. And maybe for the Marlins, they look at it and think, you know, we prefer just having the, the low cost element of the, the league minimum on Jazz. I get it with Jazz. There's the concern about the you know, the, the health that he's missed, you know, significant amount of time. But I do think that's the kind of number that the Marlins would be looking at. And I think Jazz would be looking at too, a kind of seven year, you know, seven years, 70, 75 million kind of deal. And would Jazz sign it? I think he would. I think he would. Should the Marlins look to do it? I think they should. I think Jazz is a huge part. He's a huge part of the Marlins and will be. And, if he is, if the Marlins are serious and they're they're trying to, you know, keep Jazz, uh, keep him happy too. For me, it makes a ton of sense to try and get a deal done here with Jazz. So I'm waiting to see the future holds there. The other flip side is, are the Braves just too good right now? When we look at the Marlins and how far behind the Braves they are, not just in terms of the the overall standings, but in terms of budgets, in terms of the players that they have in the organization and how long they have the control over them. The Marlins are so far away right now that they should be asking the question, they should, of should we look to go into another rebuild? Is is Sandy's window, let's call it that, are we going to be able to compete with the Braves in Sandy's window? And if they feel that the answer is no, then they should look to sell Sandy, Jazz, I mean, pretty much sell everyone. Anyone, you know, all these guys, we're getting into some arbitration numbers knocking around but the Marlins look at themselves in the mirror and think we can't compete with the Braves right now for the next three four seasons we're too far away and they're not going to spend them they're not going to spend their way out of it and so if they do come to that assessment then they should hit the rebuild button sooner rather than later I don't want to see it again I think the pitching's there. The rotation's there anyway. The bullpen needs work, plus the offense clearly needs the upgrades. We know all of these things. They're the same things as last offseason. Nothing's changed. We're a year on. We'll have a new manager, a new direction, some new personnel knocking around the organization. So we'll wait and see what impact there is there. But the needs are the same as last offseason. So the Marlins have to address that. Okay, so let's do our first ad of the day. And then... 
we can preview the the awards that are coming up. I've already got the Twitter polls going, so you will have seen them. They were flying out yesterday. There's a ton of awards, and I'm also delighted to announce the panel or the guests that will join me for Locked On Marlins Awards Week. Yes, it's going to be a multi-episode covering of these because there's so many awards. Yes, even the 2022 Marlins have that many awards. Yes, they do. Okay, so first ad, and it's our good friends over at Simply Safe. They were a new ad last week, and the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. I mean, it sounds absolutely sensational. The 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not at home or can't be reached. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com forward slash locked on MLB. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash lockdownmlb to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Love that strapline. So, guys, what have we got coming up this week? We have Locked On Marlins Awards Night. And delighted to drop in and, and announce the panel, the studs that are joining me. Sean Barrett, my wingman, UK GOAT, of course, will be joining the show. We also have Kenny, takes were made. Basically, a locked-on Marlins darling. Everyone has absolutely loved his appearances this year. Had to have him back. And also, we have co-host of the NL Feast. It feels right. The NL East is absolutely in the mix right now in this postseason. So, Sam Clark is back for, I think, his third appearance on Locked On Marlins. And like I mentioned, is co-host of the stunning and hilarious NL Feast podcast. So that's it, guys. You're going to have the four of us handing out, debating, analyzing awards, and making decisions. There's also the Twitter polls. I've put them out there yesterday. They'll run for the next couple of days right up until the the, uh, episodes will be recorded. So get yourselves in there and vote. There's a ton of awards, fun ones, um, and some of them are close, really close. You know, you've got the you know offensive player. You've got the bust of the year, of course, uh, home run of the year. Moment of the year. Uh, who have you got? You've got the color, the color analyst of the year as well. That's an interesting one too, because the Marlins obviously, uh, well, the Bally, you know, Bally went in that direction with a a, a cycle of analysts. Um, you've got everything in there. The reliever of the year, most improved pitcher. That's a good one too. Absolutely tons of them. So we're going to get into all of those awards uh, through Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday episodes this week. So guys, I just wanted to wrap up. Uh, finally, just talking about the news. I say news. There was the projection number projections, which I think are really interesting. They've dropped today. Um, you may have seen Jordan McPherson tweeted this out, um, but they are from, uh, hold on a sec, where are these? I've lost them now. <laughs> I've lost them. It was from MLB Trade Rumors. And there's some interesting ones in there. So I'll just kind of quickly rattle through them and add a little bit of, I guess, commentary. The main thing that stands out to me, first off, Joey, well, they've got 12 guys in ARP. This is the thing for the Marlins as a, you know, a 
cost control club, low payroll, the numbers are just going to keep trending up at the moment for the Marlins because they've got a lot of guys going through into arbitration and through the arbitration years. So even just to stand still with talent, they have to spend more money. That's a bit of a problem for the fish, that they have to pay more for the guys they had last year that maybe performed, maybe didn't perform, maybe don't expect to perform. Um, the main thing to say is Joey Wendell, uh, Garrett Cooper, Dylan Floro, Brian Anderson, all of those guys are in their final arbitration years. Joey Wendell actually has a, uh, there's a mutual option there um, from Marlins at 6.3 million, but the, the arbitration projection is at 5.4 million. So the question there is, do the Marlins look to uh, buy out of the mutual option at 6.3 and then go to arbitration? Or do they just exercise that option there at 6.3 million, take that with Joey Wendell. He He's going to be in the last year of his deal. It's, you know, let's say it's a 6.3 number on Joey Wendell. Is it worth it? I mean, it's getting close there with Wendell. Like, I think it is worth it. They traded for him. Um, but it wouldn't shock me. It's, I don't know with Wendell. I just had the sense that he wasn't over, like, He's been on the Rays. The Rays have been a contending team. I don't think the uh, the attendance issues will bother him, but to be traded from a contender down to a pretender, and the Marlins were kind of in the hunt for a while, and his hamstrings certainly didn't didn't help anything. But a bit tricky. Um, it's quite a what I'd say quite heavily Hispanic uh, locker room too. Like you've just got like a smaller cluster of of English speaking guys. I don't know. I just get the sense that Joey Wendell wasn't overly enamored um, being a Marlin. But I do think that he sticks around. I do think they you know, end up going with a deal there. Maybe the Marlins do decide to go with that, that 6.3 option and exercise that one. Cooper Loop uh, is projected at 4.1 million. One, I think, for the, for the fish. He, again, ends the season on the IL which seems to be a very regular occurrence, again, with another tough injury for Coop, another hand injury. I think he needs to start investigating the hand protectors because for whatever reason, he's getting, and it's causing damage. Is that coincidental? Let's assume it is. Nevertheless, for Coop, it's happening. It's costing him time and uh, production. You he needs to protect himself. Some of the guys are out there wearing body armor, fresh out of Game of Thrones body armor. You can tell I'm watching Game of Thrones again at the moment, by the way. And but Coop, a four million all-star guy, yeah, and half. But for me, the Marlins find a way to get that done. The question then is with Coop is, do they look to try and extend Coop? Do they see him as part of this, where, where we had what seemed to be first base depth? All of a sudden, it feels quite shallow there at first base now with the Lewin Diaz situation. Aguilar's gone. They've gone from a ton of first basemen. Hirar and Canacion was maybe talked about playing in that role. Didn't make an appearance at all at first base. In the years gone by, you've had Alfaro in left field. So what does that say when Hirar and Canacion doesn't get even one or a couple of opportunities at first base? It says they really don't read him there at first base. So I'm not sure about Encarnacion's future there at all with the Marlins or at first base in general. So the first base situation remains murky. There's a few free agents knocking around. Intrigued to see if they go down that path, but probably not. 
Like the main one that I was thinking about was Josh Bell. Like I, I like Josh Bell as a player. He's hit well in, in Long Depot. But, you know, he hits a home run now in this wildcard series for the Padres. They're into the next round now in the in the divisional series. Who knows how far the Padres go if, if Josh Bell is the hero again, Solaire Stiley. He's going to be asking for some serious dough. And I'm not convinced the Marlins are going to spend it. Very, very intrigued to see what they do at first base. Four million for Cooper. Are you happy with that? I think the Marlins would be happy with that number. The question is, do they look to extend? Do they look to trade? They're the questions. Dylan Floro projected at 4.2 million. That feels high. Feels really high. Really, really high, actually. And I, again, I'm, I, I think he ends up in the arbitration room there, that one, if that's the number. And they try to maybe hammer something out. 4 million, 4.2 million feels a lot for Dylan Floro. Brian Anderson at 5.2 million. A lot of talk about Brian Anderson pretty much, you know, for at least half of the year. A lot of people thinking the end is nigh for Brian Anderson. 5.2 million feels too high, particularly when, you know, they now have, you know, Jordan Groshans that pretty much got given all of the playing time at third base. For me, that signals probably the end for Brian Anderson. I think he's either, I think he's probably a trade non-tender candidate, uh, Pretty convinced that's going to be the case. I just can't see them paying 5.2 million. Uh, their stallings at 3.3. I think they find a deal there um, in advance of the arbitration process itself. The Marlins have traded for stallings. I think they like him. And, you know, uh, he's, he's Sandy's guy too. Stallings all good. Pablo Lopez, though, here we go. He jumps up now uh, in his second arbitration year to 5.6 million. So all of a sudden, Pablo's starting to get expensive next year again. What's the number going to be? A good year? What, 8 to 10? Don't know. Tanner Scott at 2.7 million. Again, that feels high. A lot of money for Tanner Scott. Let's be honest. Below average. Below average reliever. <coughs> Excuse me. Very intrigued. Elias Hernandez, 1.8 million. Whew. Again, this feels like a lot of money for people that, for you know, Eliezer in particular, that the Marlins aren't really sold on. We haven't seen much of him. But like I did say if, uh, last week, if they go heavy on the trades, they may need Eliezer Hernandez. They may need him um, to be on the roster. And maybe as a long man, maybe as a swing man, obviously Petit's, um, Tommy John has, has ended that kind of role for him. So maybe they do need him. John Birdie at 2.4 million. Money well spent there for the fish, no doubt. Cole Salsa at a million. If they still believe in Salsa, then that's a no-brainer. Jeff Brigham, again, same situation. Jesus Lazardo, first arbitration year, two million. So again, this is one of those situations, you know, with Jesus, similar to the Spencer Strider deal for the Braves. You know, if the Marlins believed and wanted to build around, you know, Jesus Lazardo, Sandy Alcantara as the two guys, the one-two, then you know, would the Marlins look to extend? and enter into a longer-term deal with Jesus Lozado? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, he's proven he's proven it when he's been on the mound this year that the stuff plays as pitchers do. It's an interesting one, though. The Braves are kind of leading the way here, just extending everyone, and it does get you kind of get you thinking, really. Jazz, obviously, not arbitration eligible yet. We'll wait and see. I do to extend Jazz. I'm very intrigued to see what they do with Pablo as well and whether they look to re-engage in trade talks. Like I said, that Brian Anderson number feels high. The Dylan Flora number feels high. It wouldn't shock me if both those guys are moved um, or traded or non-tendered even. I mean, Floro non-tendered, oh, I don't know. 
feels a little bit unlikely. There's probably some value there. They get the trade in, but still, it does it does feel high. Nevertheless, that seemed to be the going rate last year. It was kind of like a five million, six million uh, a year for these free agent guys. But wait and see. Um, that's going to wrap us up for today's Locked On Marlins, though, guys. In some Braves, uh, they're doing everything right, and they're extending all their studs. And in some ways, it's a high-risk strategy, but a high-reward strategy. Their core is fully locked up for many years now. The Marlins themselves look some way off the pace and should be asking themselves, should we rebuild? I'm not saying they should, but they should ask that question and plan and strategize accordingly. Let's not get another year or two down the line and go, hey, the Braves are really good and actually we're struggling to compete. Let's make the call now, perhaps, move some of these guys at peak value or look to make the moves this year, re, re, retool it, reboot it as, as best you can. The Mets are out of the postseason. The Phillies have advanced, go head-to-head. It's the battle of the NL East in the divisional series. And arbitration and the projections are coming around, and it starts to get us thinking about it. As well, guys, awards night will follow Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with the three panelists and myself handing out awards, having fun. There's going to be fun. There's going to be wild takes. There's going to be shenanigans. That's just what we expect from me, Sean Barrett, uh, Sam, and Kenny takes with me. Uh, guys, Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. It's the Monday episode is in the books, but as I mentioned, we're back tomorrow, Tuesday, with our first episode of Awards Night. Until then, see you tomorrow.